261. I was shaking after Fang and I fought. It's not that we never fought. We did all the time. But not like this. This was the maddest I'd ever seen him. After he took off, I stayed outside a minute, until I could paste a fake smile on my face. No sense in worrying the others. When I went back inside, the flock and Ari and Total were all sprawled on the furniture or floor. They had that glazed look that comes from getting all the food you want for once. I examined Ari. He was in a chair by himself. None of the others were anywhere near him. His clothes were still covered in blood. I raided a closet and threw a flannel shirt at him. He looked up in surprise. Thanks. Okay, who wants first watch? I said. Where's Fang? Gazzy asked. He went out for a while. He'll be back, I said shortly. Of course he would be back. I'll take first watch, Ari said. I made an executive decision. No, that's okay. I'll do it. The rest of you, get some sleep. I didn't meet Ari's eyes. While the others slept, I went through the fridge and pantry and took everything that wouldn't spoil and wasn't too heavy. I repacked all of our packs and set them close to the door. I walked around silently, turning off lights, then went outside and flew up onto the snow-covered roof. I perched by the brick chimney, which radiated heat. Everything was quiet. Ages later, Fang returned. I tried not to breathe a sigh of relief. I hadn't been that worried, anyway. He flew up, saw me, and landed, flapping his wings for balance as he tried to find a place on the roof. None of us are real big with apologies, the heartfelt hugs. I glanced at him, then went back to keeping watch, doing regular 360 scans, listening, waiting. 28 million people have clicked on the blog, he said. Good lord. Huh. I'm putting everything I know about what's going on out there. He went on. Maybe if enough people get a heads up, they can stop whatever's happening. Stopping it is your job, Max. I thought we were supposed to stop it, I said. What, with one hand tied behind your back? Fang scoffed. You don't have to save the world, Max. No matter what they tell you. For some reason, that stung. Like he didn't think I could do it. I'd always thought he'd be on board for anything I had to do. So, now you and your blog are going to do it? I can go to bed and sleep in? The words came up more caustic than I intended. Fang shot me a sideways glance, his eyes unreadable. He shrugged and looked away. Okay, now I was mad all over again. I hated it when Fang and I fought, but I hated him even more thinking that I, you know, wasn't able to save the world by myself. I'm sure a lot of you girls worry about the same thing, huh? Next you'll be telling me you got a voice in your head, I said sarcastically, standing up. I balanced on the roof, holding my wings up for help, like a squirrel does with its tail. Only thirteen feet across. Maybe, he said coolly, not looking at me. I was speechless, which, as you know, very rare. Fine, you're on second watch, I muttered and jumped down from the roof. I landed in the soft snow and went around to the porch. Inside, Ari had not ripped everyone's throats out while they slept. It occurred to me that Angel was telepathic, and she would have picked up on any evil intent that Ari had. I was pretty sure, anyway. I made the rounds, checked on the sleeping flock, 
Then positioned myself in an armchair, right next to where Ari slept heavily on the floor. That way, if he moved, he'd wake me up. I was burning up over Fang. I couldn't believe how full of himself he was. Him and his blog. Fine. Let him save the world. I still had my mission. You both have hard decisions to make, Max. Decisions that will affect the whole world. Your future. Everyone's future. Oh good, so no pressure. I thought. I punched the cushion of the armchair into a better shape and closed my eyes. I wasn't going to sleep a wink. Chapter 62 In the morning, Fang and I broke up. And, just to set the record straight, I left him. A split second after he left me. He told me he wanted to do his own thing. Follow his own mission, as he put it. He wanted to act on leads that people were sending into his blog. I stared at him. You're basing your plan for human salvation on email? He looked back at me. You're basing yours on a voice inside your head. A voice that isn't actually just you talking to yourself, right? Well, when you put it that way... I just couldn't comprehend what was happening. And then we had to tell the kids. I went over a hundred conversations in my reeling head. What would they say? How could we explain this? I've decided to go my own way, Fang told the flock abruptly. He cast a glance at Ari, then went on. Almost anyone's welcome to come with me. Go with him? Over my dead body. I think we should all stick together until Fang comes back, I said calmly. Because if any of you pick him instead of me, I'll kill you. Four pairs of flock eyes, one dog, and Ari stared at us. Back and forth. Holy crap, said Total. You guys shouldn't do this, Nudge said, looking worried. I shrugged, my face flaming. Fang was the one doing it. You crazy kids, Total muttered. He paced back and forth on his short legs, then went and sat on top of Angel's feet. She reached down absently and stroked his head. We have to choose? Gazzy squeaked. He looked at Fang, then at me, then at Ari. Crap, I thought. I'll go with Fang. Iggy's face was expressionless, but his voice hurt my heart. Shocked, I was glad he couldn't see my face. I swallowed unable to talk. I'm going to stay with Max, Nudge said unhappily, putting her hand in mine. I squeezed it, but I saw how she looked at Ari out of the corners of her eyes. She didn't trust him. She didn't want him with us. I'll go wherever Angel goes, Total said, if I must. The Gasman and Angel were silent. Angel must have been communicating with him telepathically, because he shook his head and looked like he was concentrating hard. Finally, Angel nodded her head decisively, and nudged Total off her feet to come stand next to me. I'm going with Max, she said. Yeah, whatever, said Total grumpily, flopping back onto Angel's feet. I'm going with Fang, said Gazzy. I stared at him in astonishment. Ari was the only one left, a glaring outsider to our family. No-brainer, 
Ari mumbled, coming to stand by me. His face was starting to heal very fast, the way our wounds did. Max. Please, please don't let me regret this. I prayed to a higher power. I mean, any more than I already regret it. Fine, said Fang, slinging on his pack. Fine, I said, tilting my chin up, wishing with all my strength that he wouldn't do this, and making darn sure he couldn't tell I was wishing it. And that was that. The flock was split in two, and I really had no idea if I would ever see Fang in his group again. Chapter 63 A sign of leadership? Facing your remaining flock with a calm face and a confident air, when it's all you can do not to barf your guts up in the snow from stress and misery. Half my flock was gone. Fang was gone. My right-hand man. How could he do this? Didn't he need me? I straightened my shoulders. I didn't need him. Not anymore. Okay, guys. I said to Nudge, Angel, and Ari. And Total. I could see that Nudge and Angel were trying to keep stiff upper lips. Possibly Ari and Total. But it was harder to tell with them. I can't believe they went. Nudge said, typically blurting out something I was thinking, but would never say aloud. We shouldn't split up. We promise to never split up again. We need to all stick together. Tell that to Fang. It's not what I hoped would happen, but we're fine, I said authoritatively. What are we going to do now? Angel asked. Do we have a plan? I gave her a lofty look. There's always a plan. How many times do I have to tell you guys? Come on, Max. Pull a plan out of your hat, quick. Go to Europe. Oh, thank God. Goddess. Whatever. The boys finally had something constructive to say, and not just more fortune cookie crap. We're going to Europe, I said firmly. I handed out packs, and only then realized that Ari or I would have to carry total, mostly. Neither Nudge or Angel would be able to take his weight for very long. Great. I just had to hope that Ari wouldn't eat Total. Europe! Nudge sounded excited. I've always wanted to go to Europe. Where are we going? I want to see the Eiffel Towel. That's Tower, I said. Eiffel Tower. Actually, we're headed to... England first. Start with England. Look for schools. England, I said, holding my arms out for Total. He gave a little hop and I zipped him inside my jacket. Only his small, fuzzy face peeked out at the neck. He still looked a little mangy, and I hoped his face fur would fill in soon. We're going to look for schools, gather information, learn everything we can about this re-evolution plan, and we're going to have to move fast. I'm on your side, Ari said. Sounding sincere, I'm going to protect you, no matter what. He looked down, and I caught a glimpse of the scared seven-year-old he was inside. Until my expiration date, anyway. I nodded, not letting any softer emotions through. Okay, then, I said, starting to run down the driveway for a fast takeoff. We head east. As always, I felt much, much better once we were high, high in the air. The land below us was a patchwork of green and brown, with tiny silver threads of rivers and gray clumps of cities. It was cold, and the wind made my eyes water, 
but I felt calmer, more in control, in the air. It started to occur to me that England was really far away, over a honking big bunch of water. We'd flown for seven, eight hours straight a couple times. But it was hard, and we'd been wiped afterward. And God knew Ari wasn't that strong a flyer. Not with those weird taped-on wings. Hmm, no place to land and rest over the Atlantic Ocean. Go to Washington, D.C. There's a direct flight from Duels. Like a plane? Exactly like. Right down to the shiny silver outside. Us. On a plane. That seemed so wrong, somehow. Redundant. Plus, there was the whole cooped-up claustrophobia issue. You'll be fine. We're headed to Washington, D.C., I told my new mini-flock. We're going to take a plane from there. Everyone looked astonished. I wondered how we would get Ari, with his bizarre and scary appearance, through a busy airport. We're going to take a plane? Nudge asked, her voice practically squeaking. Toto frowned. Isn't that redundant? I sighed. Chapter 64 Flying west of that Max was like flying with one wing missing, Fang thought. He kept seeing her face, furious, confused, and, even though she would never admit it, scared. He'd seen that face just about every day of his entire life. He'd seen it filthy with caked on dirt, bruised and bloodied, snarling, laughing, sleeping, telling complicated lies with total sincerity, looking down at him with that light in her eyes that communication between them. But she had his back against the wall. What did she expect him to do? Just lie back and take Ari? Like, oh, sure, he'd just forget about how many times Ari tried to kill them. How likely it was that he was wired in tracking them. How dangerous he was to have around. He was a disaster of patched together body parts, upgrades, twisted emotions, psychological torture. He was a walking, flying time bomb about to explode. Feng looked at it this way. If you knew you were checking out in a couple days no matter what, well, what did it matter what the heck you did? You could do crazy, dangerous stuff. Break any law. Kill anybody. None of it would matter because you'd be cold and stiff in a couple days. Friends didn't matter. Loyalty didn't matter. You could burn any bridge. That was who Max was choosing to spend time with, who she was letting hang around the younger kids. Feng would have followed Max to the end of the world, wherever and whenever that was. If she dropped into the cone of an active volcano, he would have backed her up, no matter what. But he couldn't go along with Ari. Feng? The Gasman's voice was subdued. None of them liked being split up. If they felt as though half of them were missing, it was because they were. Feng looked at him and raised an eyebrow. Where are we going? West Coast, Feng said. The opposite of wherever Max was going. What's there? Iggy asked. Funny you should ask. The biggest information dissemination system in the world, Feng said. A place to get news out fast. The Gasman frowned. What, like some computer place? Some kind of tower? Feng shook his head. People magazine. 
Is this part of the lie low and be inconspicuous plan? Iggy asked pointedly. No, Fang said, angling his wingtips just a hair to lead them into a 23-degree turn. This is part of the blow the story open, post the blog, tell the world plan. Oh. Yep. Always pretend there was a plan. A lesson he'd learned so very well from Max. Chapter 65 I hate you. You're such losers. Iggy's face was a picture of anger and frustration. You're just being jerks. Fang rolled his eyes. Then, remembering, he said, I'm rolling my eyes, Iggy. I'm shrugging my shoulders, said the gasman, taking a stupendous bite of hot dog. I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. Describe the people on this beach, Iggy said again. This is Venice Beach, part of L.A., home of Freak University, and you guys are, like, looking at maps and stuff. Is there really a college named Freak University? The gasman looked thrilled. No, Feng told him. So much for Gazzy's dreams of higher education. Feng smoothed the map out on the slatted bench in front of them and started looking for landmarks. Until Iggy kicked him. Ow, dang it, what's wrong with you? Unerringly, Iggy's hand shot out and grabbed a fistful of Fang's shirt. He pulled Fang's face close to his own. Describe the people. There's a million people, Fang said, irritated. Why? Are you meeting someone in particular here? Should I be looking for a man with a rose in his teeth, holding a New York Times? This is Venice Beach, Iggy said again. Home of Roller Disco. I smell coconut oil. I hear high-pitched giggles. I know we must be surrounded by beach bunnies, and you're looking at a map. Oh. What's a beach bunny? The gasman asked, his mouth full. Fang glanced around. Beach bunnies, beach bunny. Who cares? As long as they're not flyboys. Iggy groaned so loudly that several people nearby turned to look. Fang kicked his shin lightly, telling him to cool it. Who cares? Iggy whispered, sounding outraged. Who cares? I do. You can see them. I can't. And God knows I won't be able to get familiar with them by touch. Just do me a favor. What would Max do in this case? Fang wondered. Actually, he didn't think Iggy would have talked about it to Max. This was a guy-guy situation. Sighing, Fang looked around. Um, okay, there are two girls over there. One's in a white bikini. One has Utopia written across her butt. They have big blonde hair. Um, over there is an Asian girl, skating on rollerblades with her dog. Like a greyhound or something, running beside her. Oops, she almost took out that stroller. What's she wearing? Iggy asked. A striped bikini. And knee guards, the gasman put in. Oh, man. Iggy breathed. More, more. He would have never done this in front of Max, Fang thought. She would have been all over him like ugly on an ape, telling him what a sexist pig he was. But they were all guys here. Um, there's a girl meeting her friend. He went on. Her friend is giving her an ice cream cone. Oh, it's dripping. Ha. Huh. It, uh, it dripped on her chest. Iggy drew in a hissing breath. 
That's going to stain for sure, the gas man said. That's chocolate. Hmm, Feng said, watching the girl dab at her chest with a paper napkin. What's that sound? The gas man asked. Huh? That sound, the gas man insisted. What's that sound? Feng? Feng blinked a couple times and looked down, where the gas man was yanking on his sleeve. Sound? Then he heard it. A droning hum. A teeming chorus of metallic voices. Oh, crap. Up and away, he said. It's Flyboys. They found us. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Ride bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your Olivet Marky, and I got a couple very nice comments on the YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes if you're interested in that. Uh, so I will go ahead and read those. The first one was from Ava L., and they said, This was a lifesaver. It was also on Spotify, so I could listen to it on long car rides. Love your books. With the little cute heart emoji. Thank you, Ava. That's so sweet. I had a lot of trouble getting this podcast on Spotify, so I'm glad it's easily accessible to people now. I don't really use Spotify for podcasts, but I'm glad it's an option for other people. Alright, the next one was from Rachel S., who said, Unrelated, but I love your profile pic. Thanks, Rachel. I am finally putting that graphic design degree to good use. Three years. <laughs> for this. Originally, when I started this podcast, I was all fun and happy and naive and chipper, and I said, I'm going to do a different cover for each one of the books. And then I didn't. Yeah, I still like this one, though. Kind of simple. Has a nice vibe. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you guys for listening and adding a comment to it. The nice comments honestly make this so, so worth it. <laughs> Alright, the recommendation for this week is going to be the podcast The Sheridan Tapes. It's an audio drama told via cassette tapes about this woman named Anna Sheridan, who is an author who disappeared while on one of her many, many excursions while doing research for writing. I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's definitely spooky. It's kind of similar to the Magnus Archives. I haven't actually finished this podcast, but uh, I'm intrigued enough to tell other people about it. So if you're interested in that, I would give it a listen. That is The Sheridan Tapes, and I will put a link in the show notes. Anyway, if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or you can hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. Or, if you want to, you can leave a nice comment on my YouTube channel, like Ava and Rachel did. And if you really, really, really want to, you can leave me a nice rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Alrighty, I think that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. Fly on.